0: Hello, Tabernacle. I'm busy arranging my furniture, and it feels good. Merry Christmas to y'all. Merry Christmas back, right? Uh, uh, I'm excited to be here Um, due to the uh, COVID aspect of life and knowing how our Christmas Eve services go. uh, I knew it was going to be packed. They always are, and apparently they were. Uh, And I made the decision not to come first time in 17 years and uh, part of me felt like I wasn't a Christian anymore. It was really weird. I did, however, get over that. Understanding understand God still loves me uh, no matter what the situation. It was a choice I made uh, specifically for my family uh, to honor them, uh, and I enjoyed the time. But if you were able to be here, I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, we've got this uh, beautiful psalm today, Psalm 145, and uh, it's, it's about praise and uh maybe there's some confusion about what what that is but you know I'm going to set this up if I can uh you know we just finished christmas so the presents are gone right like we've opened them now some of us have like an extra family thing at another time but the generic big day is over right yes okay so the big day is over um you know, the gifts are uh, given and the gifts are received and, you know, we clean up and, and, and you know, play with our things or whatever it is we, we got. Uh, that's all really good. Um, and, and, and then we start the new year. And one of the most depressing times, according to the studies that I read, is post-holiday, post-holiday. And I get it. That's how I used to live my life. Uh, I decided when I was younger, and it won't be a specific age that I'll give you, but I was really concerned because I had heard all of these uh, things said in church, and my dad was a preacher, so I had to pay attention because my mom would ask me questions afterwards to find out if I listened, and you didn't want to be on my mom's bad side. So she was a wonderful woman, please. She was. She was. No, she really was. She was amazing. Uh, but she had really long, sharp fingernails uh, that could get my attention. So I learned how to pay attention in at church, and I really did like it. And I became this little theologian through the course of growing up. Uh, it, it was my style of learning was listening to stories. But I kept hearing, you know, when when we're dead, we get to go and we'll be in a choir, and, you know, we're going to be singing praises to God forever. And I'm a very, very active little kid. And I used to go to a Reformed church in southern Michigan that they really didn't know how to sing. Dancing was this, right? That was dancing, and their singing matched that. Uh, And they wore choir robes. And they were really just like the worst color drapes, Somebody couldn't sell, and our church bought them and made them into choir robes. Some of you don't know what choir robes are. You're blessed. And then I would listen to the singing, and it was terrible. There would always be one person that had an amazing voice, and they would sing, and uh, then everybody else would participate at some level. And I was bored, and we used to sing all five verses of every song. And actually, as I've gotten older, I have an appreciation for that today. But as a youngster, I didn't. And so I made an appointment to meet with my dad. And uh, I went into the office. And this was in this church in a little town down south. And so I, I just had this. My dad's a very generous, grace-filled man. And he says, uh, Tim, what, what do you need? What's up? I said, I have a question. I said, Dad, I, I want to go to heaven. And he goes, well, you know, and I said, Dad, I know how to get to heaven. I get that. But hell sounds really bad, and I certainly don't want to go there, but I don't think I want to go to heaven. And he said, why? I said, because every time we talk about it, we're going to spend forever singing in a choir, and I don't think I can do that. That was the praise that's what I thought it was. Now, as a mature person who's learned a lot, and my dad taught me a huge amount of it, and my mom as well, but that's not what it's going to be. Is Will that be a portion of it? Absolutely. And scripture tells us that. And maybe I'll have a singing voice, and maybe coming out of the Dutch Reformed Church, I'll actually know how to dance uh, when I get to heaven. That's cool. Um, but God wired me individually, and He made you individually. And He's not going to torture us, He's not going to. Have us in a place where, for eternity, we do something that we don't like. It's going to come innate. It's just—it's going to be there. And I don't know, maybe there's certain songs that you listen to that just catch your entire soul. And when the singing happens, you just feel a little bit of a goosebump, and maybe your eyes could tear up. And if you're like me, sometimes it's like, I don't want to open my mouth because I don't want to ruin what's happening. I just want to participate, and I can participate with my inner body with that. And it's his praise. And that has everything to do with Christmas. and It has everything to do with the birth of our Savior. See, we've read stories. John's been reading stories as we go along out of, uh, I believe, Matthew, and just a little bit of the Christmas story that we're all very familiar with. And it's really important for us to hear that, to hear this miraculous birth. And we choose, as Christians, to participate in Christmas in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. And we choose to make it our own, and a portion of that is giving gifts. You know, when there's the wise men come, and they give gifts, and they praise. And we have Mary and Joe, and baby Jesus, and we have sheep, and we have shepherds and we have angels on high and miracles and frankincense and myrrh and and, and we have those things and those are really good please don't get me wrong but we forget the next part of the story see the the gifts that we receive now i was over blessed this year um heidi just mentioned to me when we were sitting over there we taught our kids well how to give they give too much because i'm the dad and i'm supposed to be the one providing gifts i don't want so much but they they bless me and they know what i like and sometimes you know You get that thing, and it's really awesome, that thing. And then other times you get something that's handmade. And when it's handmade, it seems like a little bit more from the heart. And it can have a deeper meaning. It can be a lesser thing. And so I got this, and if you can see it, if you can't, I really don't care because my grandson made it, and it's perfect. So my grandson is almost three, and I think he might have had some help but with this, I hope. But they're little handprints, right? They're just little handprints of him, and that's cool. I've got a 20-year-old one, a little uh, uh, piece of tile that my son Jake, and Jake is, I think, 24 now, so he was four. And it's his little handprint on there, and it's mostly wore away, but I still use it every day. And it just has this meaning, this something that's more personal. Because everybody didn't get one, and it's not mass-produced. And it was specifically for me, specifically for me. So you can't have this shirt. It's mine. But you deserve a gift, I think. And God did give us the gift of Jesus, and we remember that. And so we celebrate, and then we kind of let it go. Because we're Americans, we'll be celebrating New Year's Eve, making ludicrous promises called resolutions that we'll never keep. And then we'll be moving on, and then the next thing will come will be Easter, and then we'll move on, and then the next. This gift that God gives us is something that we can do daily. This is our daily life. When God gave us Jesus, it's the promised kingdom is what it is. And the promised kingdom is going to come through a Messiah, one anointed with oil. The Messiah is Jesus. And if you follow scripture, he's anointed. And if you follow all the way through, he's this gift that's given to us. And he teaches us how to live. And I realized what my dad was teaching me was that the kingdom of God isn't for when we die. That's part of it, but it's for now. The kingdom of God came to earth in the form of Jesus. Now, we like the good happy stories, but it gets a little dark and there's a little foreshadowing. So I'm going to read a little bit after the Christmas story. This is out of Matthew 2, and it's not going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And the prophecy is this, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, "Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring him word to me, that I too may come and worship him." After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen had, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child, this is Jesus, with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. These are wise men. Then opening their treasures, their gifts, they offered them to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They were wise to listen to the dream. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of the prophet: "O Egypt, out of Egypt, I called my son." He's Jesus' savior, and he's shepherd and king. It's been the title, and he's a Messiah. Messiah. Messiah promised to deliver the Jewish nation. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus' life and uh, this gift that we're going to talk about and and our response to this gift, this worship, this kingdom that we're already in. We're already in the kingdom and I I, I need you to believe that and I don't want to talk about how the year 2020 was. It just was. We finally suffered a little bit of affliction. It was not a big deal. I'm sorry, some of us got sick and some people died, and that can be a big deal individually. But corporately, we've not been persecuted and we've not been put down. And this is—it's been an inconvenience. It's all. But Jesus. In the very beginning days of his life, when he has no ability to defend himself in any way, shape, or form because he's an infant, his dad takes him, his earthly dad takes him and flees. They, they leave. They go to another country. They don't go to another city. They flee and leave, and they stay there until the king, Herod, is dead. That's kind of a life, a little bit frantic, But he's the gift to us, Jesus is, given by his Father. His life is going to be fraught if you know the Gospels and the, the life of Jesus, what we know, there's many, many crises that happen, and there's many conflicts, and I think that there was more than one in the life of Jesus. It's not going to be this smooth little picture. It's not going to be easy. So, Jesus, we celebrate his birth, and, and it's awesome. And like I said, we need to do that. But then, you know, we're, we're, we're now a day past, and I don't want to ruin the spirit because that's not what it's about. It's about how to live. You know, I... I I come from a world of alcoholics, and here's a great thing about alcoholics: is they go, "I don't, I want to know what God's will is, and I don't know what God's will is. I can't figure out what God's will is. I really want to do God's will because I know I will be a better person if I follow God's will." And it's very simple from a recovering alcoholic to another to say this: "Okay, I know God's will for your life for tomorrow. What is it? Don't drink. It's that simple." Now, he has other plans, but that's where we're going to start. We know God's will. And, and if we follow that and we follow that path, um, suddenly we learn how to live life because God opens doors and he opens our heart and our mind and he helps us correct some negative things about us. And if we're listening, something miraculous happens, something changes in that person. When they get lost, when they're at They're least, as a human, they know that God's will is that they don't drink because that'll ruin everything. But what about us? Well, for some of us, that's still the case, and that's okay. But for some of us, we forget that when Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, God had a plan, and he had a plan for a reason. He had a plan because we screwed up the previous plan. We did. Humans did this joy that he wants us to live with, to be sober-minded, but not always sober acting. We get to be silly and weird and fun and joyous. We get to do this praise aspect of life that isn't just singing. I've watched people who walk around that, that, that tell me that they're a Christian, and I never see them smile And I never see them full of joy. And I never see them like, I'm so excited because I'm going to do this. And that's a gift to my family. That's a gift to those around me. And they just go through life so sober-minded and so committed to whatever it is they're committed to. And I look and I say, there's nothing at all about that person that I envy. And I see other Christians that are out there, and I watch them go through chaos and hardship and wounds. And I watch them struggle and not always succeed perfectly, and I watch them fail, but they get back up, and they do it with this sense of joy that it's an internal smile that comes out of them. And I watch that person, I go, I want that. Because that's why Jesus came. He came while we're here, so that we can influence those around us and ourselves. And we can stop whining about 2020. It just happened, but he's still the king. And his plan of redemption began back then, and it's going to continue until he comes again. See that's the fulfillment of the promise of the kingdom. It starts with Jesus while we're alive and when Christ comes back that will be the fulfillment of it all. And there won't be this anymore. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. So what is it like to praise? Well, Psalm 145 tells us So I want you to chill and get comfortable. Don't worry. If you fall asleep, that's okay. No, don't fall asleep. You can fall asleep, just don't snore. But I'm going to read this psalm, and I want you to hear it. I want you to listen to it. But picture the words. as like they're coming out, and they get to flow in you. You want to know what to do next. You want to know what praise is going to be like. Well, it's what we can do now. Listen to the word of God. I will extol you, my King and God, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day, I will bless you And praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation, that's us, shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. And tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bobbed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. That's Psalm 145. If you want to know what to meditate on, go to Psalm 145. If you want to know what our earthly kingdom with Christ at the center and at the head is, this is it. It should be utterly transforming for every one of us. It should help lift us up and it should extol us to preach, not with our words, not in argument, but with our lives, sometimes with just our face, sometimes with our shirt. That's all. It has utter meaning for every moment you exist. Is here. In the depth of despair, why am I even here? You've given me so much more than I could ever bear. No. He's never given us more than he can bear. And he is good. So God's gift... To me, cost him everything. In Genesis, we make it all the way to the third chapter, the finest little beginning of the Bible. You can just grab a couple of pages, and that's where we blew it. It took us that long. And it doesn't matter, I don't care what your philosophy is, it's something I will never argue about. If it would have been me instead of Adam, or if it would have been you instead of Adam or Eve, the same result would have happened. That's And we blew it. And that's the reason we have Christmas. Without it, we wouldn't have needed it. But it cost him everything. He created everything in existence for us. And everything in existence was in a level of harmony that we cannot imagine. And there was no illness or disease. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was no pain. There was no suffering. I'm not saying that they didn't work hard or... They didn't have sore muscles. I'm not saying that. That's not what it's about. And he brought us into it knowing full well that we had free will. And one of the portions of free will would allow us to disobey, to let our pride come out. And that's what happened. And out of our pride is sin, and sin is why Jesus was required. And so this unreal earth and universe and galaxies and as far as we can imagine, was all made for you. And then that got ruined. It got spoiled. It's like a nuclear bomb went off, and now it's uninhabitable. And so death is going to happen, and all of that's entered in. But God doesn't want us to stay there, so he has this plan. And just imagine God thinking this through and going, well, I, I still love them. And I don't like their behavior. In fact, I really hate their behavior. But I made all of this for them, and, and, and I still want them to have it. Gave them this gift, and they kind of pushed it back, even though it was handmade for them. Got another idea. This is a thing about Christmas that maybe we don't teach enough is... You know, there's the verse that if you've been around a minute in church, you've heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, John three sixteen. And we say it, and it doesn't have a lot of meaning, but it says, I will meditate on your word. I'm going to meditate on your word. So that means I'm going to be contemplative, and I'm going to think about this. And, you know, I've said a billion times from stage, yeah, I'm going to use my deck to do that, and I do. And I was thinking about it, Okay. I'm a dad. I, I'm privileged to be a father, and many of you are a dad or a mom here, and some of you will be. And there's so much risk in this sinful world with that. But The thought of choosing... Of choosing one of my children put forth and let him be born as an infant into a highly ludicrously dangerous thing that in the first little span of his life his dad deaths to take him and flee to another country because there's this psychopathic king that is gonna order the death and all of these children end up getting murdered in in this area because of this king and his ego, the the ultimate picture of sin, which we like to revile, but it's the exact same sin that we committed in a garden, sin, pride. And I think of taking one of my kids and putting them in your care. And it makes me want to cry. Because that's the ultimate gift that he gave us. The most ultimate handmade gift was his son. Now, again, if you've been around for a minute, you know, Easter's coming. And you live for 33 years and, and, and then this death happens and it's horrid and he still was the same dad who chose to let his son be there. And it was done out of his love and his compassion for one thing for you. For you. So, our response. I'm just as guilty as everyone else of being complacent, of being selfish and forgetting, of finding myself back at the center of the universe where I think I belong. And then I get pushed back, and that's a good thing. I'm a little older. And God has blessed my wife and I so tremendously throughout our lives. And one of his blessings has been a deck and some chairs. But even more than that, he finally taught me to sit still. The little kid who could barely sit still in church, who rarely sat still In school, unless I was in the principal's office, he taught me to sit still and to meditate on his word. I didn't even know what that meant. And through the course of time, what that's meant is if I'm going to meditate on God's world, the first thing that happens is I'm removed from the center of the universe and I'm a spectator. And this story is being told for my benefit. And if I'm in the middle, I can't hear it. But if I'm off to the side, I can. And I can think about what I just preached. The thought of actually doing that because I love somebody. Now, it says that we're made in the image of God. And that's true implicitly, but it shows itself when we give gifts. We're the only ones who do that. I mean, there's mating rituals, so there will be some scientists out there that will say, yeah, but this bird does, yeah, that's not the same. That's just, that's instinct. That's all that is. We give gifts, and I'm gonna be honest with you, the best part about Christmas is when I'm watching my wife open the one gift that was special to me to give her, or to watch the one I gave one of my children, That's not of me, that's of him, the desire to give. He showed us how to give, and he's not asking us to do the same by any stretch of the imagination, but he is saying to give with his glad heart. And a little bit of our reverse pride is is when it's awkward to receive a gift. Has anybody ever felt that? I mean, I did this Christmas. My kids got me too much but I taught them well. We taught them well. And I felt this little bit of awkwardness, and I find if it's this big of a gift that's given to us at Christmas time, maybe I shouldn't be awkward about it. I get to respond. The response is individual, and I don't ever want it to be contrived. So my response to his gift is what? That's an individual question. And I I don't get to judge it. I don't get to know it. I don't get to look down or up at anybody over that. It's an individual thing. But what I found in life is when I listen to this and I take it serious. Everything changes. And suddenly I realize that I'm living in the presence of God with his kingdom on earth now. And I get to respond to that. And I want to respond in a way that's honoring. In a way that shows something back. And that thing that is shown back is called love. What if my response to his gift is everything? What if my response to his gift is everything? What happens to life? Do you remember in the psalm it says one generation, this generation? will teach those. We're teaching every day. And we don't even have a teaching certificate. Some of us do, but I don't. I'm teaching with my actions and with my attitude and with my love and with my response to his gift is how I'm teaching. And I'm understanding now that my fear of being in a choir with ugly robes singing a tone-deaf song that has way too many verses. Some of them had five verses, and I'm going to be honest with you, that was five too many. That's not what it is. When I have this in my heart and my response to his gift is everything, I have this mystical quality that every single drug addict, alcoholic, compulsive gambler, sex addict, whatever it is, dysfunctional, you name it, insert, is looking for. Unconditional love followed by joy. That's what it is. So I don't want this to be a down thing. I want this to be contemplative. And I'm going to ask if you just bow your your head for a second and think about what maybe the response is. And there's no pressure. Maybe there's a part of something. Maybe we just become willing to even say, I will offer everything. Maybe that's too daunting. So maybe it's just one thing right now. That's okay. What if it's, I'm going to seek your will tomorrow for the first time? I'm actually going to say it out loud. God, what's your will for me today? Huh, you didn't answer. Will you show me somewhere? Maybe it'll be an opportunity to show Love. In a selfless way, expecting nothing in return. Maybe it's just welcoming somebody into your world. I don't know. The kingdom of God has come with Jesus, and it'll be fully made when Jesus returns. But I'll miss it. We're there now. My hope is that we show it when we can. Father, I just ask that you bless us as we, in our inadequacy like a child, making a gift for a parent like a grandson making a t-shirt for his grandpa. Even though it's not artwork, it's precious. May our blessings to you be precious and our gifts return. Father, may you uh, expand them in a way that's like fishes and loaves, just a few fed thousands. You have the power help us believe it's about you, Jesus, in your blessed name. Amen.